0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of the AI Premier League Preview Pod. On tonight's show we'll cover the stroll in the park that was that game against Huddersfield uh, and Sunday's upcoming test uh, against Spurs at Anfield. So, joining me tonight are AI writer Ollie Emerson and host of the EPL Index and writer for Goal, Kev deVries Evening, guys.
2: Even Harry. Hello. Yeah,
1: lots to talk about here. I think, it's um, especially considering the previous game against against you guys, Kev. And um, I mean, let, let's face it, you you took on Man United's ragtag bunch of uh, multimillionaires and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and yeah, incredibly talented, but dysfunctional, footballing family, um, and the, the the cousin they all bully in Maran Fellaini. There, really poor guy. I found myself watching that just think, ah, oh, if, if it wasn't a World Cup year, I would have thrown my shirt in his face and said, <laughs> "You can't treat me like this." You can't treat me like this anymore, Jose. But um, I want to start with Spurs, and uh, yeah, of course, yeah, I watched that game last night against United and. Often hard to sort of judge, um, you know, just how bad United would have been, for example, or how, how the game would have panned out when you have an incident that early, um, and a goal that early from, from Ericsson. It really does throw everything into, um, any plans out the window. I think similarly that game against Liverpool, Wembley, when you, when you self-destruct that early, what are you going to do? But what, what are your thoughts been on recent performances, um, from Spurs and, that defeat to um that defeat of united um what did you make of it
0: yeah well specifically the match yesterday obviously went uh very well of course the incident you're referring to is uh ericsson scoring his goal within 12 seconds uh he claims it was 10 uh official timing showing it is still behind Lovely kings for fastest um which i'm sure he'll be devastated by um yeah yesterday's performance was just we we were literally better in every aspect of the game um, and there were, uh, United fans on, on, uh, Twitter who were just saying as much. Um, not in one of those matches where they were like berating their players. It was just like, wow, Tottenham are better than us today. And that was very much the case. Um, the return of Ericsson was huge for us in that regard. Obviously, he missed the last match, uh, through illness. Last two, technically, because I think he missed, um, the Newport match as well. Um, and so he, he's just so, crucial to us when he's crucial to us if that makes sense i feel like at times he's still not um uh the kind of player that that will uh change momentum in a game outside of scoring goals i realize that that's largely the point of the game but he doesn't really dictate tempo as much as we would like for a player of his ability um but when he pops up with moments like that they're just brilliant although you know of note that he just ran onto the ball del ali did a lot of the the hard work there um, with the, the back heel inside the box, but, uh, Erickson's return was obviously massive for us. Dyer and Dembele had largely been disappointing recently, um, in midfield. Both of them, I think, had fantastic matches and, uh, uh continue to joke within the Tottenham community that Davison Sanchez is one of the rare 42 million bargains you'll ever see in football.
1: Yeah, Davison Sanchez is a, a real sore spot for me because, um, I just I found myself asking last night I, I, I put a tweet out I think about 60 minutes into the game'm um, just you know watching yet another performance from him that where I've thought I mean sorry <laughs> how did we just all let you <laughs> go and buy daventon Sanchez <laughs> just like especially a side like us who I mean, I mean to be honest you you guys already had a really solid defense without a viral um, a similar play I think you can talk about in that sort of way why did everyone just let you buy? to be out of Yeah, for 12
0: million. Why enough, did everyone what, just like... let
1: Spurs buy Davinson Sanchez? I mean, everyone, everyone and your dog could see this guy had all the talent in the world. Yes, you know, not you perhaps still needs to be tested, still needs to learn things, but yeah, <laughs> the calmness with which he was playing that game yesterday, um, and the ease of which he got dragged out wide, and then dealt with Martial in a one-on-one, in four, five, or six times in the box. Um, yeah. And I'm, it's not been year, It's not been long enough. Unfortunately, it's not been long enough um, ago that for me to have forgotten Skirtle trying to do that uh, on Marshall's <laughs> debut, and of course Martin Tyler nearly, nearly had an orgasm. But it was it was a fantastic, fantastic display from him. Uh, and one player who had sort of caught my eye as well, not done as well this season. It seemed um, to me anyway, but I thought he had like a renewed influence yesterday alongside Ericsson, was Deli Ali. What
0: have you made of him mm. this season? Yeah, he has um, struggled at times this season. I don't think anybody, even including himself, would deny that. Um, I've mentioned this on uh, many other platforms already, but it was one of my favorite moments uh, early in the year. Somebody wrote an article about how Del was just in a sophomore slump, despite the fact it was his third season. Um, nice. One of the great oversights in journalistic history. Um, but yeah, no, he, he's he's hit a bit of a A difficult spot this year whether it's just um other teams knowing more how to deal with him because that was always his um asset that he brought to the side was his unpredictability his first season we were pretty sure that he didn't know what he was trying to do so how on earth could the defenders figure it out last season we realized that no he really is just that good i think this year maybe people are are channeling him more into the center of their defense as opposed to the previous years where he would drift out wide first and then kind of make those diagonal runs where Toby would lob uh, long balls to him, it hasn't really worked out for us this season. Maybe we've scored off that once this year after having at least multiple ones the past couple seasons. Um, and unfortunately for him, uh, you know, he's, he's still a young player, but when things aren't going his way, he kind of turns to the tempestuous side of his nature more to the making it up to the team way. Um, so if he gives a couple balls away, if he tries to nutmeg somebody, if he tries a roulette and it doesn't come off, instead of going back and trying to get the ball... He'll either kind of simulate contact or he'll just kind of punch the ground. He just seems to lose himself a little bit in those moments when you would hope he would recompose himself and try to win the ball back for us. Uh, when he does try to win the ball back, sometimes he goes in a little too hard, but that's more forgivable than kind of um, more like making a meal out of whatever contact or or complaining about anything that may have gone against him. So yeah, Dalali Del was obviously fantastic in that match yesterday. Um, and when we're at our best is when he's at his best. Uh, and hopefully we'll see more of that in future. Um, obviously going to be crucial for us in this run of fixtures coming up.
1: Yeah, he's always struck me as somebody who, um, so much of his game is instinctive. So when things come to him in that sense, and, he, and he's allowed to be expressive, he's got a bit more space, a bit more time. And, and like you said, the rest of the team are playing well and, and flowing. Um, yeah, he, he, he can really hurt you. And the talent's clear, but uh, I, I, I also, as, you know, being a cynical sort of fan that I am sometimes, I, Whenever we we played you when he's when he's played, I've just always wanted people to wind him up as much as possible because you can tell that he's he's yeah. keeping it in check. And last night he did well. I can't remember who it was. I think it was someone who squared up to. Oh, I think it was Sanchez himself actually. Um, oh, Alexis, yeah. Following a tackle, and you just you could just see <laughs> you could see Ali running through uh, in his head like his his therapist's comments. You know, like breathe, <laughs> don't react. Like he's just yeah, you, you're the bigger person, etc., etc. But when you look back at your form this season, um, mm. and you can look at all the pictures and it's a smattering of green, basically. It has a wins and a few draws <laughs> here and there, but when you, when you do see the losses crop up, apart from the sort of, um, sort of mandatory loss to Man City, which everyone seems to be uh, suffering from <laughs> uh, annoyingly, but um, the losses seem to be, were dotted around Let's say, um, November, I mean, right towards the end of October, but, um, you know, mostly the, the form seemed to dip slightly in November around those Champions League performances, those huge Champions League wins that you had over Real Madrid and, and Dortmund. Mm. And of course, we've got that coming back, um, yeah, very shortly, uh, the Champions League. And what I wanted to ask you is, do you think that, that dip and, and the reason why you, you're, you've caught up tremendously now, you're definitely looking tighter, but why do you think that dip in form happened? Do you think it's fair to put it down solely to the Champions League, like I think Poch did?
0: Yeah, well, um, last season we, all, we also had a dip in November um, when we lost to Leverkusen, I think we lost to West Ham in that stretch. Um, and I was actually looking at this earlier today, and in his last year at Espanyol he actually uh, lost three or four matches. So we'll start with what I'm starting <laughs> to call the Pochettino curse, where he just doesn't know what to do in November. Now on to things that are a little more it's verifiable. It's August. He just
1: hates
0: it. <laughs> it's, exactly. So the fact that uh, we finished top four the last two years with Kane taking off August and Poch taking off November is pretty impressive. Um, but uh, I think, yes, Champions League was the target this year. I have mentioned uh, before that, I think you, you remember that year when Manchester City clearly prioritized the Champions League they kept doing well in the Premier League but they kept getting knocked out in the group stage and it was like oh this is the year they're trying Champions League it kind of felt like that for us especially getting what at the time was kind of viewed as the group of death as you say we've gotten huge performances and huge wins in that although at the time I think everybody thought Dortmund and Real Madrid were better sides than they've proven to be since um, but I will try to Sweep that under the rug as quickly as possible. But I do think that's a lot where our energy lay. And then also, again, we faced injuries over that period. Last year it was Harry Kane and Toby. This year it was Toby again. Um, and so I think those just kind of culminate in a kind of a downward spiral. Um, in that period, uh, yeah, we lost to West Ham, got knocked out of the Carabao Cup after being up 2-0 at halftime. Then obviously lost to, uh, United. Then, we had lost to Arsenal again. Then we drew West Brom. We lost to Leicester. So, yeah, that's that's where we sent to, uh, tend to to lose ground. As you pointed out, we've made up a lot of that ground since. Um, I'm still confident that we can make top four this season. Um, but I think that these Novembers are why we continue to kind of be title challengers and that we keep being the second option. But we have not yet really. Challenge. You know what I mean? Like, towards April, we're always, like, behind 8 to 12 points. It's never that close. We're just the closest. I mean, I think if we can sort out his, Posh's November hoodoo and Kane's August one, oh, we may be able to figure it out. Uh, thus far, though, I'm just glad we've gotten past the Wembley hoodoo, which I'm pretty sure was trademarked, um, coming into the season. But, uh, yeah, no, November is obviously where we, we lost a lot of, of, of uh, points and hopefully we can, Recover them to some extent throughout the rest of the season, but that damage has already been done.
1: Yeah, you do feel like Spurs I mean, finish strongly, generally, um, and especially last season it seemed, it seemed that way. And, but it was too much of a catch-up effort by that stage, and um, Europe does seem to affect it. it not, you know, not surprising that it does have an effect. Injuries as well, squad size, and, and your squad is is, is fairly strong in, in, in a number of areas in terms of cover. That you do have available, but of course, in the influence of certain players, very difficult to, to replace. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, obviously the transfer windows is a sore subject for Liverpool fans. Don't like to talk about this, despite the fact that we've signed probably the best defender we've had, we've had at the club for, for years. I think people are slightly forgetting that a little bit. I feel tinsy, but <laughs> yeah, a little bit sorry for, for Van Dyke. I'm sure you won't care at all. Um, I saw a poll earlier. Yeah, he's Dutch. I have, I have some sympathy. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, um, earlier on, I saw a, a poll on Sky Sports News. I was watching it for, um, five minutes, unfortunately, and Jim White was there and, you know, not wearing a yellow tie. But there was a poll on, like, the best signing of the window. And of course, all the hysteria around, um, Sanchez and Obama Yang and the Qatarian and some, even more to an extent. And Van Dyke's there on like 11%. Yeah, you know, just like, you know, no one thinks he's that good. So it'll be interesting in that sense. But Lucas Moura, um, a player I think Liverpool fans probably looked at for a long time in terms of wonder whether we can prize this guy away from PSG, but always seem to be involved to just the right level where they weren't prepared to let him go. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, at the moment, you know, they've got such an embarrassment of riches there that, you know, you've been able to prize him away. Um, what do you make of that signing? Do you think it was uh, an essential sort of hole to plug in terms of what you think he's going to bring to the club?
0: Uh, interesting. Uh, just to touch on the Van Dyke thing: uh, a recency bias, I think, was a large part of that, as you said. And secondly, I think people were using that poll to kind of reflect on how they thought clubs' windows went. Um, and while Van Dyke was a very good signing, you're right. Obviously, uh, a lot of people within the Liverpool community not pleased with the window on the whole as well um but obviously from my end van dyke was a was a fantastic signing why there why there weren't secondary options you know you guys that are listening to this heavy and index uh app on your phone you don't need to hear another person talk to you about that um but uh on lucas um he brings something that we desperately needed on the right side which is pace and we've been talking about it for years we talked about it um recently when you signed um, uh, Mane, when you re-signed, uh, not re-signed, when you signed another player like that in Salah, um, it was exactly what, what our side needs. If you see the uh, effectiveness of Sun in those matches where teams set up to defend against us, Sun this season has often been the player that's able to undo that, um, largely with his pace to, to split them open. Uh, quick one, two is on the wing to break through. Obviously, we have a lot of interplay with our wing backs and our actual wingers um we just got lamella back sissoko has done an admirable job this season never compared to his price tag because if you compare him to that he'll he'll always disappoint um but he had a he's had a bit of an uptick this season but nobody in our squad can do what lucas does son is probably the closest analog but i think he's a little more um uh has a better eye for goal than lucas does although lucas did come off a career high in goals last season 12 and league on 19 in all competitions um but yeah lucas's talent as as you mentioned liverpool fans were eyeing him i'm sure before you signed those two other winners um they mentioned yesterday during the match that alex ferguson wanted him when he was leaving brazil the same year as neymar did as somebody knows so he, he comes in with the highest pedigree of talent i don't think anybody's ever mentioned that or ever mentioned it. nobody's ever uh, ignored that or, or claimed the talent wasn't there um he was knocked out this year uh the double signing of Neymar and uh Mbappe uh just entirely stole his slot there there was no chance for him to play uh anymore only made five substitute appearances didn't play in the Champions League which is why he is an ideal signing for us uh, as he is eligible in that competition um so the the profile of the player is exactly what we needed both experienced but still somewhat young um Brings the pace that we really needed. That unpredictability we mentioned with El Ali, Lucas Mora has um, lo- loads of technique and, and skill. Uh, sometimes makes the wrong decision, which is something that you tend to say a lot about pacey-wide players who, who often rely on that pace rather than—I'm um, <laughs> not saying he's Jesus Navas. I'm just saying we've seen this kind of uh, profile in players before. Um, but I, I think a great addition to the side. Not confident he's going to start every week. Um, just because we need pace at times does not mean that that's the only way we can win matches. Uh, and sometimes pace of passing has made up for the, our lack of front-end pace with Erickson and, uh, and Della um, playing defense-splitting balls. But now there's somebody that can be on the other end of those uh, in Lucas. And so, yeah, I, I think it's a, a fantastic signing. The fact we got him for $25 million is incredible. And my hesitancy that he, he will start is not based on ability. It's just based on Pasha's comments in the past about how you should integrate a new player into the team. If Lucas lives up to his potential, he is absolutely in Tottenham's starting lineup every week. It's just hard to imagine him doing it right now. Um, but yeah, Lucas, $25 million, excellent signing uh, considering his talent and potential level.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm very jealous. I mean, I'm not jealous from the perspective of the, of the style of player because I think, obviously, I think we've got that. Got that covered, but yeah, Lucas Moura. Definitely. I mean, I'll
0: swap him with Salah for you right now if you no, want. That's all
1: right. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, he's he's a he's a real talent, and um, I've, I've wondered for a while. I mean, I've wanted him to move for a while just so he could really get a full a full chance, because it never seemed like he was first first choice in um, in PSG despite that upturn in form. But uh, yeah, adds pace Payson, unfortunately, Nicholas and kudu's just it's not going to be it's not going to happen for him, is it? So. Um, Oh, well, I mean, I might got that player wrong, who knows? But, um, in, in terms of the European fixtures and how they had affected your season, uh, earlier, mm. and the, with them coming back now, I mean, how do you think it, it is going to affect you? Because as you mentioned, this is your Champions League season. Uh, I think it seems clear from the, the comments from Poch and the, the way in which you, you guys went out last year, um, I think there was a, there was a point to prove on your, your behalf, and I think to be honest, already done it from from getting out of that Champions League group the way you did. But still, you know, a draw with Juventus, it's an opportunity to go further in the competition, and um, I'm no doubt that heavily going to invest the in resources and time and energy into this. So, how do you think you're going to cope with it um, this time round? Do you think there'll be a similar sort of mental sidetrack uh, to thinking about Europe? over the league, or given the ground you've made up, is do you expect to fight on all fronts?
0: It's a great question, and uh, one that every Spurs fan is kind of fearing right now, um, because I think we can very easily either do well against Juventus or do well in the Premier League, but I'm not confident, even with our depth, which you mentioned at the top of the show, we, in theory, have a lot of depth. Um, but for some reason just seemed to struggle to continue form on both fronts. Um, based off of the preseason match we had against Juventus, I know a lot of people toss preseason, uh, matches to the side, but it was both of our last friendlies and we played, uh, very strong 11s both. And we did, we did, uh, secure a result against them at Wembley. So, uh, in theory, we shouldn't be fearing this match too much. Um, although the first leg is, uh, in Italy. Um, I have very little faith that, we can do well against Arsenal in the preceding match and then Juventus the week after. Uh, fortunately, the second leg is bookended by Huddersfield and Bournemouth, which you're a little less nervous by, although can be more damaging to your season if you fail to pick up points against them, uh, even though the emotional fan reaction would be stronger if we drop points to Arsenal for a second time this season. Um, yeah, no, it, it's very much a concern. Uh, Pochettino mentioned um, that he isn't concerned about losing any Premier League match at this stage um, because there's so many games left. And I feel like that might be the problem because that's kind of the November issue again, right? Where he looks at it and he's like, OK, this is a horrible run. As long as we get out of this unscathed, relatively unscathed, we can make up this later. But we can't make this up in the Champions League later, right? This is just two matches to decide if we move on. So I think just based on his comments about the Premier League, he's inherently saying that the focus is still on the Champions League. Um, and I would expect that to be the case. Uh, unfortunately for Liverpool, I think you guys are a little too far away from that match uh, for it to affect this one. But I am worried about uh, the Arsenal and Palace matches, uh, which book in that first match in Italy against Juventus.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, I'm not I'm not too worried about you guys. I mean, on, 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 and that's not just bravado. It's just, I mean, this is the sort of game. And d- provided Lovren doesn't <laughs> wave the white flag again. <laughs> Give Kane two goals uh, for no reason. Yeah. Um, it's, this is the sort of game that I, I mean, I look forward to. I think no, no matter the results, it should be an entertaining game of football. Two sides that play um, an exciting way, and similar to, I mean, j- just the way I mean when City arrived at Anfield, we, you knew there was going to be no compromise, and, I, and I'd expect there not to be a compromise that, that will come onto that now. I mean, uh, yeah. our form since since that match, and I think that, that there was a big inquest after that match in terms just terms of the manner of the defeat. But really the inquest was more how have we managed to get here with this guy still still in our team who who's capable of, you know, pressing the self destruct button in in such a way. I think that we fought back pretty well until we, we gave you the goal directly before half time. Uh and, and after that it was more or less just more or less just done. But um Given sort of our strengths and style, I think I asked you a similar question last time around, actually. But given what you know of us um, and sort of how has approached games at Anfield um, uh, since he's been manager at Spurs, I mean, how do you, how do you expect him to approach this one? Because you know, touching wood him, you know, hopefully there's there's no self-destruct moment like like we had at Wembley from one player. So you'd imagine you know, we're going to be a real threat on the counter, the way we were, and press heavily. So how do you think Potch is going to approach it? Just look to fight fire with fire?
0: Uh, I think this is what I said last time as well. I feel like that's what he's going to do, and I continue to not understand that um, because we have the ability off-the-counter attack uh, to damage teams as well. Obviously not as rapidly as you do, um, but uh, it feels like we, we should rely on our defense a bit more um, because obviously we have a... I don't think this is a shocking statement. I think we have a better defense than Liverpool. Um, So you would think we could use that to our advantage a little bit more and then launch from that as a backbone rather than just trying to outpace you in attack, um, considering how prolific you've been thus far this season. Um We are in a much better position than we were last year uh, because last year you got to put Sadio Mane on Ben Davis, and this year we will have both Aurier and Rose available on the opposite flanks. So where last year you had a clear matchup advantage in that regard, I think this year we can match up a little bit better. Uh, obviously don't want to come off as too cocky. Salah is obviously having an incredible season, and I'm not saying Rose will automatically lock him down, but he'll do better than Davis did against Mane. I'm fairly confident in saying that. Um, yeah, I, the, the question is who's going to make the mistake. In, in both of our teams, there is pressing. Obviously there are different presses that have been spoken about, and it didn't really seem like you guys pressed us that hard. In the first match this season, uh, which may have also contributed to, to the struggles. But the problem with the press is, if you mess it up badly, it creates a chance directly. Um, and for you guys, that that could lead to a one on one with Lloris. Obviously, more confident in that than you may be with a one on one against. I think Carrius is now your Premier League keeper, but yeah, either one. Me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but but I agree with you. This match tends to always be an exciting one uh we finally got the, the uh monkey off our back with the uh when to start the season cuz before that was it 10 in a row that we hadn't managed to beat you in which was a Something horrible record um so yeah glad that that's uh, that we've seen the back of that uh but no I, I think we'll probably come out much like we did against united where we just try to get the first punch in and see how strong your jaw is uh united obviously crumbled um i would assume that klopp will have seen that and will uh know how to prepare for that because us launching off of the kickoff is not new. We've basically been doing that since Posh came in. It just happened to come off in this one. Um, but yeah, so I, I think we'll come out in attack, which is, which is why neutrals love watching this fixture because it's two teams that are both uh, prolific in attack in different ways, granted. Um, but it tends to be a very entertaining match. But I think the more entertaining it is, the less chance we have of, of securing a win.
1: Yeah, it, it was weird at the start of the season as well because not just in your game, but generally we hadn't been pressing that intensely and following your game, um, following that, um, this run that we, that that we've been on prior to some, some recent defeats and sort of stumbles following Coutinho's departure. But we really, really have pressed at extraordinary levels. Actually, I think the the under pressure guys on, on AI have been keeping up with it and it's all sorts of records just falling all over the place. So it seems like, wouldn't you know, (laughs) the longer someone is here and can establish a system and teach players how to press properly, the better you get at it and the more efficient you get at it. Who, who, who would have thought that? But, um, yeah, certainly I think it's going to be, uh, exciting game. I, I'm, I'm glad and hopeful, obviously, that Van Dyke would be, would be there, um, to, to, to provide a calm ahead, um, you know, despite the fact he's still obviously getting up, getting up to, to speed, fitness and, and also chemistry wise. But Ollie, just before we um, talk about Liverpool, um after the break, i mean I just, I just wanted to get your opinion on what you've made of Spurs this season, and you know Kev obviously talking about their prioritizing of the champions league and it, it makes sense given you know, what happened last year and things like that but do you think this is a this is a stronger Spurs team than than last year
2: uh I think so yeah i think given sort of i think people tend to sort of underestimate Spurs a little bit at the moment, given the facts they're fifth and so, haven't quite been sort of, they're only a few points behind, but they haven't been in the top four for a little while. But I think when you take into account their struggles, they've had more key players injured this season, I'd say, I think, than any of the other top teams. The fact that they're in the Champions League and they're actually sort of making a fist of it this year, they're still in the FA Cup, albeit we're only just sort of getting into that. But I think, I think they're still having a decent season. Sort of the next few weeks are probably going to be crucial to them, but I don't think they're any worse, definitely. I think maybe they like we said, Potch hasn't really fixed his November, but there's definitely still dangerous. I'd probably say that I really like this Spurs team in the sense that I think they've got a really good, um, well, I think they've got a decent goalkeeper, I think, Lloris especially but overall the defence I think is really strong. I think they've got really good midfielders and obviously they've got Kane up front, supplemented by Son, who's having a fantastic season. So I think in terms of when you construct their team, like when you t- when you pick their team apart, maybe they haven't got as good an attack as Liverpool or maybe the defence, maybe Manchester United might be a little bit better sometimes with De Gea, but when you take their team as a whole in terms of balance, I don't think there's a better team in the country than uh, Spurs, apart from obviously Manchester City, when mm-hmm. everyone's on it. So, whilst obviously it's fair to say that you could make Liverpool favourites or whatever, or would say Spurs aren't having the best seasons because they've just dropped off the league a little bit, I think when you take into account, like I said, the injuries, they've missed all of our Eldon key parts, they've not had Lamella until recently, uh, Victor Wanyam has been in and out constantly. I still think that, they're having a decent season given the situation, and they're, they're a really dangerous opponent as we've already touched on.
1: No, for sure, and I think that most Liverpool fans have sort of been looking at sort of the meticulous nature in which things have been assembled over at Spurs, and it's it's been clearly planned for a long time, and it's it's. Both in the style of play that Poch has implemented, both in the sort of increased professionalism, I think that we've seen over the last like four or five years really has been, um, admirable stuff. So yeah, I think it's sure to be a competitive game and, um, hopefully it's a, you know, it's a proper game this time rather than one that's ruined by, I mean, I'm sure you take it either way because that that game against United. I didn't feel it was ruined. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for us it was. I mean, especially after. I saw Salah turn on the afterburner, like, ridiculously. Like, there's no right to get to that goal that he did score that day. But um, it just felt like, you know, doing, pushing our way back into the game and then, oh, no. Nah. <laughs> a- again, so um, hopefully we'll do a better job keeping you guys out than we did West Brom and Swansea recently. But, um, yeah, that's a, that's another subject. But thanks so much, Lecce, <laughs> for, for giving us all the insight on Spurs. I'll bring you back of course. at the end to talk about key battles and things like that. But, yeah. Um, going to talk to Ollie about Liverpool um, and uh, might, might have a touch on that transfer window our recent performances then Ollie they've we went on a long unbeaten run much documented much talked about um, and of course I think the last people on earth you, you expect to lose against um, after beating the you know, top of the league Manchester City yeah absolutely flying they are um, in, in a thriller, four-three. But to be honest, it should have been four-one. Love um. But um, then, then you go from that to losing one 0 against a, a side at the bottom of the league. Albeit they did go and then beat Arsenal. however much of an achievement you want to credit that as being? But it's sort of it's typical Liverpool in terms of the fatalism that exists online. It's not typical Liverpool in terms of what we've seen this season. It's it was unexpected. It was poor. And then followed up by that really debacle of a performance against West Brom, really. I think it was disgraceful from, from a number of people, to be honest. And I'm guessing if anyone was wondering about, if they were about Miggs's future, that's, that's pretty clear now, I'm guessing. But, um, yeah, what have you made of these recent stumbles? And, and then I guess touch on that stroll against Huddersfield.
2: It's been it's been a weird one. Like you said, it's not been a typical month in the way our season's gone, especially after you've mentioned the sort of fantastic run after the defeat against Spurs. But it was very typical. It was sort of a very typical January overall in terms of the, your sort of stereotypical Liverpool of the modern era in terms of we signed Van Dyke, It's great. Clavan scores that last-minute win against Burnley. Oh, no, we've sold Coutinho. What are we going to do? Oh, well, at least we'll get a replacement. And then things start looking up. You know, we beat Everton. We beat Man City and it's like fantastic. And then you start thinking, hmm, are we get a senior replacement. Even if we don't, it'll probably be fine. We're on this fantastic run. And then we get beat by Swansea and you're thinking, hmm, now that was frustrating. Can we just buy a midfielder? We don't. And then we get beat by West Brom. And it's absolute panic stations. Twitter was a horrible place to be, uh, on. Um and then of course we get the victory against Huddersfield. Going sort of back just to the two slumps, I think the difference between the Swansea and the West Brom games were that I just found the Swansea game really frustrating on a view in terms of if the odd thing had gone our way, we might have won that or drew. But I think overall most fans would agree that it wasn't sort of the performance we've come to expect and we couldn't have that many complaints after losing. Whilst the West Brom game was, I think, a much worse performance than the um, Swansea game. But I think in terms of the way the team functioned and the way individuals played, the mistakes that were made, but I didn't find myself as mad at it. Maybe I think because of the sort of VAR debacle. Um, I, th- I think it was the West Brom was sort of game was sort of one where you need to laugh, otherwise you'll cry. Obviously, like we went ahead with that fantastic Firmino chip, and then suddenly we're two one down. What's going on? And VAR saves us not once but twice, and we go and miss a penalty anyway. And in the end, we sort of take a sound beating. Um it was three 2 but I thought what West Brom under Alan Parge, I mean, I think Alan Parge is a very strange man, but you need to give him credit where credit's due. West Brom came out and played some really nice football. They um, only really parked the bus in sort of the latter third of the game, I'd say. I think they were outpassing us at a time, at the, right at the start of the second half. And at that point, it sort of, everyone was starting raising questions, you know, what's happening? Are we even going to get top four? Are we going to sign someone? You know, it's all gone down the pan. Uh, we conceded three with Van Dyke in the side and that wasn't ideal. Um, but I think when you take them sort of, when you take the emotion and what's going on at the time, the sort of context of the month away from it, and when you look back, you'd say disappointing to go out the cup. Um, some people care about him more than others, but obviously I think Klopp's not yet to win a trophy here. So it would have been something that he was definitely looking at and evidenced by him picking a strong team. But being out the cup doesn't necessarily mean we need to worry about when we're going to finish in the league. Obviously, the Swansea result was really disappointing, especially after Spurs had dropped points. But we'd, we've seen the Arsenal's, the Chelsea's, the Spurs' is all dropping points recently. So it's whilst it's disappointing we didn't take advantage. Uh, it's hard. You can't really justify saying, well, we've you know lost one game after being unbeaten in so long. We're not gonna we're gonna finish ninth. Uh, so it was nice to sort of ease back into winning ways against Sutherfield Um, with I, I don't think you'd call it a flamboyant display, but sort of just quite a. Um, professional one, uh, I think Huddersfield were poor. It was really nice of David Wagner to just serve up three points on a plate again. They just, it's it's hard to say because we we also we, we I thought we were passing it around fairly well. Then we opened the scoring with the Emre Chan deflected goal, which was a really nice shot. But maybe on another day, doesn't get deflected, the keeper makes a save. Huddersfield keep it 0 nil, nil till half time. Maybe they nick a winner. And it's sort of against these small teams unless you score a fantastic passing goal to open it where well, you, you sort of always end up saying good win but you know if we hadn't scored that first goal would it have been different but at the end of the day we did score the first goal there were no defensive slip-ups. I thought Lovren and Matip both had decent games, which was nice to see, especially Matip after his recent performances. And you've sort of got to hope that it wasn't just because Huddersfield were bad. You've got to hope it was a good performance and one that Liverpool can take into the Spurs game, which as I'm sure we've touched on already and we'll go on to touch on in sort of context of the way the league's set up at the moment going into the last few months, the Spurs game and the game beyond it is really a really big one.
1: Yeah, certainly a big. Important clash. That game against Huddersfield, I mean, I was on that post-match raw, um, show with, uh, with, with Trev and Dave. And I mean, to be honest, I, I wasn't that happy watching that game, really. I mean, I, I was quite critical. Um, we'll come on to talk about the transfer window, but I, I was very critical of just the fact that, um, there's a real dearth of, of any, any sort of real, real creativity in that team, in, in that midfield. Um, yeah. W- when you, when you take out maybe, I mean, Chan can provide it, but it's it's really not his his focus solely, and he's he's probably better doing work for us elsewhere. But he, he is the best in terms of the three who played that night, and yeah, very much like you said there. I mean, I've I've heard people describe it as you know you're doing a professional job waiting for the errors, and I think sometimes that is the best option against sides like Huddersfield because you know Swansea or performances like that Swansea game. I mean, usually they're going to make an error. They'll make an error that, that, that leads to a goal and, you, and you'll get your win. And sometimes you don't have to really force it too hard against sides that right at the bottom of the table. But with Huddersfield, it does, it doesn't feel a little bit like we've got a German version of, you know, Steve Bruce here for Alex no, Ferguson Or just
2: NEX N- United. Yeah, NEX United, United. Ferguson Mark,
1: whoever you want to call them. I mean, just that I would very much like it. We're talking about this as well. If get more Bundesliga managers over, get more mates and from the stag parties, from the, on the mites out in the pub, and yeah, if they're willing to do that for us, uh, and that's what helps us win win a league one year, I'm, I'm I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. But um just before we move we, we, on, I was I was livid about that West Brom. Before I mean, I, I'm, I'm pardon you, I can't I can't abide giving that man joy. Uh, just really, you can't
2: you can't allow him to dance.
1: And then really, just to just to rub salt in like the raw wounds of, of, of that. Like, not only do you. Like, do that, you allow that win to happen, but, or that defeat to happen, but then you give him Dan. Like, ah, oh, absolutely. I know, I know. I was, I was heartbroken by that stuff. <laughs> so I'm really, I'm really not over that at, at all. And, um, you just know he's going to try and do the wavy dance as well. Don't you? you just know is going to try it. And oh, just, it's, that's going to be horrifying. Yeah. But um, r- rather than focus on that, um, horrific note, let's move on to another sort of, I guess you can say that it's horrific in terms of Twitter's reaction to it and things like that. But how lack of transfer activity, um, you know, following Van Dijk, that I think was pretty clear that was a summer summer move that we just completed a bit later. Um, for you, are you in the camp of look? It's clear Klopp and um, FSG are all on the same page here. They have a vision. There's patience. There's a choice of targets and we're very, we're now very methodical about going for these and not deviating from a plan. We've seen that in the past and how badly that can go wrong for us. But, um, or do you look at it as we've managed to take uh, you know, a position of strength and, um, you're starting the window really well. And we've now entering the second half of the season, uh, taking a really unnecessary risk, um, given sort of the, the depth of our squad.
2: I think, I think as you put it there, there's sort of two really contrast, there's lots of views amongst the fan base, but if you look at either end of it, there's the one end that says, you know, you've got to trust Clock fully, we've got a great team, Adam Roland is the best thing since sliced bread, and we don't need any other players. And you go to the other end, it's buy someone, buy someone, oh, you've bought two players, great, go and buy someone else. And you, you probably won't be surprised to hear that like, I tend to take a bit more of a measured in between response that, I can get on board with the whole idea of sort of waiting and being patient to buy players. If you've got long-term targets and you think they're really crucial to the development of this team and there aren't, there isn't someone else you think that can do that, then I'm fine with waiting for them. So I was fine with us waiting for Van Dyke. I'm fine with us waiting here for Cater because I, could, I think they're two top quality players. And whilst we definitely could have bought a centre the Van Dyke one not so much because I think we could have bought a centre back to upgrade on him on Lovern and Matic, however, and then still got Van Dyke. But in terms of cater, definitely I'm happy to wait. And I'm fine with that long term view. And in a way I admire Klopp for it. This whole training over transfers idea is great. But the problem is, if you do that, you've got to make sure that you the club stays in a position to sign these excellent players in the long term. So you can't let your short term actions influence the long term plan. So let's let's say let's use Thomas Lamar as a specific example. Fantastic. It looks like uh, it looks like Arsenal probably could have signed him in the summer. And if they'd really pushed, I think they might have been able to sign him earlier on in January. Obviously, Monaco by the end of the window was saying it's far too late to do anything. But it seemed like Lamar didn't really want to go there because we wanted to get him. We don't want to pay what Monaco did now, so we we're going to wait till the summer which is which is all right i I can deal with that, but the problem is Lamar wanted to come here because we've got Champions League football um and he probably wanted to come over Arsenal because Arsenal don't at the moment, and it's doubtful they will next season if you look at where they are in the league and the sort of competition ahead of them in the Europa. But the problem is now, we've put ourselves in a position that what if we get to the end of the season we don't have Champions League football, then you look at Lamar and uh whoever we, whoever, whoever else we might be targeting for the summer. And maybe they don't want to come to us anymore. So you've sort of, by say, by taking the principled view in January, of we're not going to sort of um, accept these mad January prices, which is fair enough. But if you do that and then get to the summer, you can often end up scuppered. I wasn't one who was sort of desperate for us to buy the Lamar in terms of an, a continua replacement as such this month, but I do think it's like quite negligible that Klopp hasn't brought in an attacker at all. Uh, And then then you go and let storage go. Even I think you could have done things like bring a rigi back or just literally anything. Because if you look at it, Coutinho was the sort of. Coutinho added quality to our midfield and allowed us to rotate the front three. We've now taken quality away from the midfield and we haven't got a rotated front three. I think you can get by midfield by playing a sort of more industrious style of football, maybe a bit more defensive like we saw to the back end of last season. But the problem now is if Salah, for me, if say Salah gets an injury and Firmino's form drops and Mane's form doesn't go up, then who's going to score the goals? Because I don't think Milana is, I don't think Ox is, I don't think Solanke is, I don't think Ings is. I don't think it would have been that difficult for Klopp, even if he was desperate not to pay the money for Lamar, uh, or whoever, and desperate to, to well, Storage was desperate to go whatever, and he didn't want to bring really back. I don't think it would have been that hard for Klopp to go out and source an attacker that could have come in as a rotation option, as a backup. Um, and that's what I'm really worried about now in terms of the end of the season. I, I, I still think that Liverpool's be- and of course we have improved at the back with Van Dyke. I still think Liverpool's best 11 is good enough to sort of coast to top four, arguably. But it's when you start to take bits away from the front, front line, which is our strength as well, that, um, it, it becomes an issue. If this was in the defence, you'd probably, and someone got injured, you'd probably say, well, you know, it's the best of a bad bunch. It's not that big of a problem. But the sort of, Shift when you take, say, Salah out and put Lloris in, or take Firmino out and put Solanke in, is so such a big gap that it could end up being detrimental to the season. And then, as I said, the summer plans, and that's what I really think the big risk is in terms of if we balls up this season as a result. What then do we do in the summer? What do we do next season? It sort of has a long-term effect. I'm not sure. I don't think many fans are considering.
1: No, I agree, I'm I'm usually I'm usually fairly measured on, on all these things, but um. It really did annoy me actually that, that that nothing was done at all, and 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 then there was the departure of. I mean, you can argue for days as as just sort of Sturridge's influence over this team over the past few years, but he you know, he he does allow you when he's fit to, to, to rotate that front three like you were talking about. Coutinho allowed that as well, and I mean even if we talk even if we look at Spurs for example, I mean. Do they need Demons and Sanchez? Probably not. It's, it, it's, it makes a great, makes a great deal of sense long term in has a grooming, a, a replacement to that to that back line. But if you look at their depth across the board, they've got pretty good replacements in a number of areas and Lucas Mora as well. He he filled a role for them that they didn't really have. They had son to a degree. Mora takes that up a step and has a he's lightning quick and a very skillful guy as well. What was to stop us, say for example, going for someone like Lucas Mora? and saying if you for know, 25 million or whatever um guarantee we could be big probably pay slightly higher wages who knows but um and using him as a rotation option um you know, for one of Mane I sala I mean it's, it's not it's not the, the perfect solution for example I don't think we were ever interested really this window but it does it it does strike me as we, we've managed to take a position of real strength at the start of the window and We've, we put a, we put a semblance of doubt there. And even if it's doubt amongst the fan base, I think there would be some doubt amongst some of the players as well, because you do see others strengthening. And, I mean, look, look, signing players left, right and centre doesn't always improve you. I think Chelsea, um, the fact that Giroud went from a, sitting on a bench watching Swansea beat Arsenal to sitting on a bench watching Bournemouth beat Chelsea was hilarious to me. And McIntyrean's debut was, was that you know, debacle against Swansea. Um, Sanchez's debut was, a pretty resounding defeat to Spurs. So, you know, despite all sort of their long-term impact, and I'm sure they'll all have a point um, you know, and some points to play and some some points to prove, and they'll have an impact. I just felt it was leaving us a little bit, a little bit exposed. And you know, it, it leads on nicely to what, the point I was going to ask you now. I mean, against Huddersfield, I thought Chan was was really great in terms of sort of the drive he provided and, and the injection of creativity here and there. He's now the only one out of that of that of that of that, of that three. I guess you can include Ox there as well. Just how important are those two really for the re- re- remainder of the season uh, for keeping us you know, creative and dynamic in 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 that position?
2: I, th- I think it's huge because if you sort of look at the Liverpool midfield uh, as we've as we've touched on, we've said we haven't really got a k- we haven't got a great passer in there. Uh, we've got OK passers, um, some like Henderson, Pings, the odd good ball, as well as short passes, Chan, can. Put a good pass in sometimes, but we haven't got people, we haven't got sort of a Fabregas, a De Bruyne, uh, an Ozil, We haven't got someone that can pick a ball up and thread an iron needle pass without, without really thinking about it. Uh, but what we have got is in Channel um, are players that can take the ball, beat a man and drive forward with their pace and strength. And that is sort of the alternative. That's the way you have to go to get past these sort of compact deep midfields if you haven't got a passer. Um, and if we have, if, if I think those two are key. But I think looking at the performance against Huddersfield, I think I think the passing had been better than we'd seen in some of the recent games. Like, I, like you said, I don't think it was perfect. I don't think we had a brilliant game. But I think in terms of sort of the balance of having Henderson's return, I think what, what allowing Chan to go forward, well, Henderson can sit back and sort of keep it ticking along, try and release the ball quickly, and then have Chan in more advanced position to sort of try some of those more dangerous passes, such as I think he played a couple of really nice sort of clipped balls over the top to Mane. Uh, which Marnie, I think, headed a couple wide against others' fields. And then maybe have an ox or a genie just to do the sort of rest of the midfield. I think that's probably our best way to balance it at the moment. But like you said, when we've not got that passer, having a Chan or an ox in the sides to sort of be the dynamic runner from midfield is really key. But even then, it's, it's definitely not ideal and sort of goes back as we've, as we've just been talking about, about how, you know, if we could have bought another attacker or a passer in midfield in January, it might, mm. might, might make all the difference. Obviously, by the end of the season, say so we come second and get to a Champions League semi-final, So, well, what do we know? But at the moment, it looks really risky, and I think the sort of midfield quality might end up getting shown up in key moments towards the end of the season.
1: Oh, yeah, even if we finished second, I'd still say, look, it's a gamble then that's paid off, but you have to accept that it... it
2: we didn't need to make the gamble. It,
1: it, it was a gamble, and um, just on the Henderson thing, I mean, I, I was advocating when he came back, actually pushing him forward into a box-to-box role because I, th- I think he's more effective. I don't really think he's he's great in the six. I mean, he keeps things ticking, but I mean, you, even against Huddersfield, the one chance they had was him not tracking a run. So I'm just a little bit worried about about that against teams that have, um, you know, especially more dynamic team, uh, more more dynamic players in midfield. And another player who a huge burden on now as well, and it's great to see him in such fine form. He's having a Strong season is uh, Bobby Firmino. Um, I mean, he's going to have to play a lot of games. Uh, he is, uh, he's, he's used to that. He's a sort of physical specimen, isn't he? But um, how would you go about rotating? I mean, do you think Ings has got. I mean, it's very hard to know if Ings has got football in him, let alone the sort of the game time that he's looking at now. But um, there, there isn't a danger that we just exhaust Bobby, isn't
2: it? Yeah, I think. Um, it's it's really hard to know if Danny Ings has got a goal in him at the moment let alone football in town I think there was a piece on the Liverpool Echo earlier which was was correct in saying that it's sort of a testament to Ings' character and personality and sort of the fight in him that he's seemingly dragged himself from these two horrible injuries to be second choice behind Firmino uh, and whilst that's more than definitely true I was reading it and thinking whilst what they're saying is right but it's also sort of a testament as to how weak Liverpool's striking depth is Um like Firmino's in fantastic form this season. I think he's on. I think he, if not already, he's set to put up his best ever goals return for the year. I think might be off by one or two, but I'm pretty sure the one against Sunderland was his 20th of the season. Um, he's outscoring a lot of the top Premier League strikers. But the worry is, like you said, if he's burned out or gets an injury, then what next? Ings may, like, maybe against the smaller teams. He was good for Burnley and he was definitely worth picking up for six or seven million to be a third or fourth choice striker, but not second choice when you're going for a Champions League or trying to finish second. He might score a few goals against the smaller teams if, um, if Firmino has to drop out for a game or two. Solanke has sort of looked looked impressive in pre-season. He's like he's not had huge opportunities in terms of competitive football, in terms of starts, but he's come off the bench and I think they had that goal against West Brom in the 0-0 Anfield that was ruled out, but he's not really looked like doing much. I think if we had better depth, the ideal situation would have been to loan him out in January, but that's obviously not going to happen. So I really do think there is a massive issue if Firmino... I I mean, we're talking there's a massive issue if Firmino needs to be rested for a game or two. And we're forgetting that we're in February. We've just started February. We've got 13 Premier League games left and say say we get to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, we've got a minimum of 17 games left overall. Firmino can't play them all, or it's unlikely that he will. Um, we have to pray that he doesn't get injured. Um, we could try Salah there, perhaps, but then again, who do you play out wide? Do you put Ox in the front three, but then you're sort of taking goals away? Um, I think the best thing to do with Firmino is pray that he doesn't get injured and probably just rotate in terms of bringing him off, early, being having him yeah. as the first sub-off whenever you can, if we're ever two or three goals up, say on the 60-minute mark, 65-minute mark, just take the minutes out of his legs rather than rest him for a whole game. Because whilst I can see that there probably are going to be games where we play three times in the space of seven days and maybe you're him out when we're at home to a West Ham or a Newcastle at the weekends, but... Uh, to what cost? Because obviously everyone knows how key, is, he, how key he is to Liverpool, how key he yeah. is to what we do. But and the sort of the lack of options behind him is another sort of. I mean, we're trying to be positive after the Huddersfield win, and we're still in a good position overall. But when you sort of look at the makeup of the squad after the January window, the lack of quality behind Firmino is startling. Yeah,
1: I think o- often you can sort of say at Klopp sometimes the way in which he gets us to play, just generally we, we we play on a knife edge at times and. <laughs> if it feels like it, that's a similar gamble that he's taking with a few of these players, and and uh, I, I think I mean, Side Brunnish would know a lot more about this than than I would. But even up and even before this, I think we were talking about some of the players who are miles above um, sort of their um, career averages in terms of the, the minutes, the ground they're covering. So yeah, let's um, let's I mean, it's it's Klopp's headache to solve, and I, I think it's, it's 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 on him. I don't think he would shirk responsibility. So. Let's just um, let's see what he does. I'm sure it's going to be I'm sure it's going to be interesting. Nothing as bad as putting Corker up front for
2: the last ten minutes of a game. Well, Van Dijk was up front. Was it against Swansea? He was that. Our best I'll player. take that though because yeah.
1: Van Dijk. Can, he should
2: have he should have assisted Firmino. I think with that looks, cross.
1: He looks calm in those positions. But um, to, to bring us onto the, onto the game then, this this Sunday and it's a game that suits us, isn't it? I, I think anyway. And I, I was really. I mean, obviously being pissed off by the defeat um, at Wembley, but I was, I was annoyed as well by the game because it was just like that, I think the Man City game as well. I would have been really annoyed if there was a dubious decision that ruined it, um, like there was in the first leg, the um, first leg, of the, 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 the game at, at the Etihad earlier in the season with Mane's red card. I wanted to see a fair sort of like a contest between two great sides and I think that's the same. This weekend as well. I mean, how do you think then we're going to approach this game? Would you expect Van Dyke and, and, uh, Ox to come back in?
2: Um, I definitely expect Van Dyke back in. And, was it? The, yes, Rob, Robertson. I'm thinking, I've forgotten the Huddersfield game. i thinking Moreno was in the team for the last game because he played against West Brom. I think Robertson will stay in. Uh, Carriers will stay in. It'll be interesting to see what he does at centre back in terms of who drops out. Because, there's arguments to play Matip because he's probably our best centre back after, um, Van Dijk. There's an argument to play Clavan because he's got quite a calm head in the big games. I think I remember one of the best games I've seen a Liverpool centre back play in recent years, and I know that doesn't say much, but when we beat City 1-0 on New Year's Day 2016, so the Anfield game last season when one album scored, I think Clavan sort of marks Aguero out of the game. I think he picked up an early yellow, and I was in the ground and thinking, well, we're down, we're going to be down to 10 minutes at some point, but played with such assurance. But then again, he plays left centre-back, so does Van Dyke. So, do you play Lovren at the right centre-back? I don't think that's going to happen, given Lovren's had multiple shocking games against Harry Kane in the past. Uh, we thought you already talked about earlier, him gifting him two goals uh, in October. There was the one of the other year where I think we drew one all, I think, when Spurs were going for the league. And I think Tino scored for us and Kane scored the equaliser. It might have been Klopp's first season, and Kane just spammed Lovren in the box as if he was sort of just turning round past a tractor. Um... In midfield, like, like you said, is it going to be Ox? I think someone's definitely going to come in for Milner, who had a decent game against Sutterfield, but I think for this game, given the way we're going to sort of attack it in our typically aggressive Wijnaldum. style, I think Wynaldum or Ox. Are either, either, I'd be happy with either because Oxlade Chamberlain, um, it's actually quite a nice sort of, maybe game to look at Oxen in, in terms of Mm. when we got battered by Spurs, I think he was still going through that rough patch when he first started. But I think he was actually one of the players who came out of that game with sort of some credibility. I think he came on at either 2-0 or 2-1 when when Lovren got dragged off after half an hour. We changed system to three at the back. Um, I think Oxen came out a decent game that day and he's sort of come on leaps and bounds since. Whether Sunday's the day for him, maybe. Like, he played, I think you've got to keep Henderson and Chan in because I think they both played fairly well against Huddersfield. And then it's a, it's really a toss-up because Oxlade-Chamberlain played really well against Man City, for example, the other week, another high-tempo game against quality opposition. Then again, so did Wijnaldum. Wijnaldum sort of had his critics this season, but he's, his best games in Liverpool tended to come against the big teams. So I think Van Dijk back in, partner in Matip, no other changes to the back line, Carrots obviously, Henson and Chan at front three, and then I think a toss up in terms of Ox or Genie to come in for Milner because as we we've said we expect we're gonna probably play that more aggressive. Um uh, it's probably gonna be end to ends. there's gonna be lots of ball recoveries, but probably quite a lot of chances, um tackles, presses, etc cetera, etc cetera. and Ox or Genie, whoever clock goes for, probably suits that sort of match up um uh, much more than Milner and his thirty two year old legs.
1: Oh, God, God, yes. Sometimes it's hard to believe that it's only 32 years. But, um, I, 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 am actually, I mean, there's two things I'm wondering. The first thing I'm wondering is whether Klopp is the sort of guy, and I think he could, I think he could be, to be honest, to go, go on then, prove, prove that you can get over this to Dejan Lovren uh, I do think he's that sort of sick guy. And, um, also, I, I, I don't think he will do it, but I think it, it would be the right call, potentially a big call, if he was. To say, you know what, that midfield that performed against City for me did a ridiculous job uh, in terms of how, yeah. how well they marshaled that that game. I'm going to give them that game again, and I, 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 I'm going to give them that job again. I wonder whether he he'd be he'd be big enough to to do that because he does tend to keep Henderson in when when he's fit and he yeah. has just come back, but he could excuse it away like he has done many things with. Oh, he's still getting back up to fitness, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, mental fitness, whatever. Um, Kev, I mean. In terms of, um, your, your point of view of this game, I mean, do you think that Potts is going to make any specific changes with us in mind to the lineup or is it just that it plays are back they're fit, Ericsson, Ali, the usual lineup? Would you bring Wanyama in for this game or given how well Dembele and Dyer played, um, last game, would, would you keep things more or less the same?
0: Yeah, I'll be honest. I think, um, our performance, uh, midweek kind of messed with his plans. Um, because, uh, we knew Toby didn't pass his fitness test before the United match, but the, the aim was always for him to be fit for the match this weekend. And it looks like he will be. As you said, Wanyama still fighting his way back from injury, uh, was on the bench and now seems, uh, fit as well. But how do you mess with Dembele and Dyer after what they did? How do you mess with the pairing of Vertonghen and N. Davinson at the back after what they just did? I mean, obviously, uh, Toby is, uh, better than Davinson, and the three of them are incredible, as they showed at the beginning of the season. Yam, I think, is just talent-wise a better player than Eric Dyer, but it seems difficult <laughs> to go into a dressing room and tell the 11 men that just put in the performance they did uh, that a couple of them might not play this weekend, may be able to get away with the rotation argument, <clears throat> but it will be uh, an interesting one. For me, as I mentioned earlier, um, if it was me picking the team, I would set up more defensively, so i put Toby with Davinson and Jan, in a back three, then Rose, Dembele, Dyer, Aurier, Ali, Erickson, Kane, um, and then you have Son and uh, Lucas off the bench. Uh, if we want to make that late um, surging pacey uh, attack, what I think is going to happen is we'll just roll out another 4-2-3-1, um, which we've been doing for a while. Whether or not that means Toby gets in over one of Davinson and Jan, I'm not sure. Um, it seems like it would equally be hard to t- <laughs> tell Toby Alderweireld, who is yet to sign his long-term contract, you know what, sit this one out. Um, that seems equally unlikely. I, it may be a blessing for Pachettino if, if Toby fails his fitness test, um, Friday, recording on the Thursday. Um, cause then it would avoid that issue. It gives Sun his spot back in the 11, uh, through a roundabout way that I, <laughs> I don't need to get into. But basically when we play three at the back, there isn't a left wing spot. And when we're playing four at the back, there is for Sun to take. Um, so anyway, uh, I think we'll go four, two, three, one. I think we'll stick, uh, with Sun on the left, Ollie and Erickson. He's kind of in that sometimes one of them floats right, sometimes one doesn't. Um, so yeah, pretty pretty much same 11, maybe rotated wing backs, maybe Toby. Uh, don't think Wanyama breaks in, uh, and don't think Lucas will get his first start in this one either.
1: And in terms of Liverpool and the threats that we, that we can pose to you, I mean, obviously, there, there's the obvious mm-hmm. players who, who stand out, but, you know, given how that game went early in the season, you didn't really get to see too much of our strength, really. But, um, which players, I mean, or, or which player in particular, um, if you if you were to see them on the lineup, I, mean, I guess maybe besides the obvious, um, do hmm. you think that there's a um, would cause you the most trouble? Where, where do you think that we could potentially hurt you? Because I always think your team looks incredibly strong whenever we come up against you, but someone someone usually doesn't do their job, and this is, that was the same with me. Uh, that was the same, same with us <laughs> at Wembley, wasn't it? With um, with Dejan predictably not doing his job, um, <laughs> uh, but it was a tough day for him.
0: I think, uh, kind of to answer your previous question and this one at the same time, uh, I think the, Pasha's reaction to your squad in particular will be that switching of the wingbacks. I think one of the reasons we benched both Rose and Aurier against United was our fear of Mane and Salah, and rightfully so based on Salah's form this season and what Mane did to us specifically last. Um, so I think that's, that's there, and I think the bringing in of Aurier is that wild card at right back. Because he has so much potential, so much ability, so much pace, but also has the error in him that a younger Kyle Walker did, uh, before he decided to be incredible and we sold him to City, uh, where he's basically just gonna walk his way to his first Premier League winner's medal. Um, but Aurier, for all of his, his greatness, also has that, that air of error about him. Um, and I think that's, that's really where it could be. Mane always puts in a good shift against us. Um, and if he flubs up and we mess with our back line, if we try to put Toby back in, obviously the talent in our back line is higher with Toby Alderweireld in it, but considering he's been out for over a month, maybe the communication wouldn't be there the same way it was before he was out. I could just see a gap opening up in between the right-sided center back and Aurier, uh, who sometimes overcommits. Sometimes he plays too close to the winger. Um, and then if that winger has enough guile or enough pace, they can beat him. He does have some recovery speed. But somebody like Mane is one of the few players that he may not be able to catch back up to. Um, the, the one thing, <laughs> the opposite side of that, the thing we're wiping our brow over is No Coutinho, who has had an incredible record against us, both assisting and scoring goals. Um, but for now, I, I'd say attacking down that left is probably your best bet, although I know Mane has not been having the most incredible season thus far.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm interested to see how Ox does as well. I think being a former Arsenal boy and, uh, and also, um, someone who's, who has impressed me in games like this where he's, he has the ability to you know, be explosive and, and use that directness that he has to um, you know, do what Ollie was talking about there, just dribble and run past players, driving past players, um, as opposed to maybe doing what Phil used to do, which was he could obviously dribble past players, but you know, being incisive in his passing. Ox has more of that sort of explosive nature to him. I wonder whether he would be a good option um, for this game. So...
0: Mm. Uh, but, I assume you think he's playing centrally.
1: Yeah, no, I think if he plays, he, he plays centrally. Yes, he, he plays. him
0: versus Dembele. Then should be a really interesting. Yeah, pairing.
1: So, for sure. Yeah, I think. I mean, I've I've enjoyed Chan versus Dembele in the past as well because they've.
0: Yeah, <laughs> because they both have the same physical attributes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I wish Chan could dribble quite like that, but it's um yeah that the, they, they do very much uh, once once they get going, hard to stop. So I think yeah it's, it's going to be an interesting test there, Ollie, I mean, f- from Spurs again I guess it's obvious to pick the players who you'd be um fearful of. I mean, for me actually this season, the guy who I've I've seen and I'm glad that he's getting more attention because I've always thought he was a great player and didn't get the sort of the credit he was he deserved is, is his son, obviously. He's someone who, who worries me with those late runs that he can he can make as some intelligent um, movement. For you, who is it I mean it's Who is it that you look at and think, okay they could really hurt us besides the the prodigal prodigal one, Harry Kane?
2: Yeah, well, obviously, Kane has got a a pretty decent record against uh, Liverpool, especially against Lovren, as I mentioned a few minutes ago. And when you were sort of leading into that question before you mentioned Son, I was thinking in my head, yeah, Son, because I, I think I agree with you. I think he's a player that I really like to watch. Uh, he comes across as uh, just a really nice guy who's really good at football, and uh, I'd, I'd, love him to, I'd love to have him at Liverpool. Um, I think, in terms of, yeah, so Sun's probably the one that I'd watch out for, but in terms of the actual just sort of matchups in the areas of the pitch, I think the midfield battle is going to be a big one because Spurs have got, uh, not necessarily in terms of their attacking midfielders, but even Ali's quite a big guy. Uh, but going back, you sort of talk about Dyer. Dembele, maybe even Wanyamo might play, as we've said. They're sort of all big, powerful guys. And Liverpool, I don't think, have that power, but in terms of their dynamism and with Chan's strength backing that up, they can sort of, they've been able to take on these big, massive guys in midfield in huge games before. So I think just the midfield battle is going to be really interesting in terms of who can win that one. Like you two said, uh, Chan and Dembele are two sort of quite similar players in terms of some of the things that they do. I think Maybe Chan might be a bit better with his shooting. Dembélé probably better at dribbling. But two real sort of midfield titans that don't always turn it on, but when they do, they can be sort of real forces and control are getting bit like dynamos in the middle of the pitch. Um What Kev was saying about Aurier, who's the last player, so I'll touch on because I'm scared of most of the Tottenham side to be honest. But I, I think Aurier is a real talent at right back um Who could definitely hurt us if sort of what we t- what we talked about is sort of Ali and Eriksson if Spurs set up in this four two three one or even the five three sorry five two sort of two one sort of thing they don't have unless more plays which you don't expect them they don't have a natural right winger so with Ali and Eriksson sort of picking up central positions and drifting out wide there might be a lot of room for Robertson to get down the left so it'll be interesting to see his battle against Ori. And equally, if Aurier does sort of charge off into the distance in terms of attacking, is it going to leave them for Mane, who mm. uh, plays quite a... He's, he, like like Kev said, um, he's not, in truth, he's not had the best season this season. He's played well quite a lot, but he's sort of not been quite as good as he was last season. He's been overshadowed by Salah. But with um the way Liverpool set up with their full-backs in terms of Gomez sort of tucks in, doesn't go forward as much, but Robertson tends to bomb on or Moreno, whoever's playing, it sort of forces Mane off the left into a slightly more sort of... Uh, inside forward role which if that gap that you talked about Kev between Aurier and the right centre back gets too wide Mane's naturally thanks to the Robertson bombing on Mane's probably naturally now going to be in a position to take advantage of that so I definitely mm. think that's something to uh, look out for in terms of if Spurs set up in that way and if Mane can be on it yeah I'd be
1: tempted to put Moreno in as well um, potentially because I mean, also
0: known Tottenham killer
1: Oh, yeah, also not a top the killer, but, but, but I think, I mean, for the most part of this season, he's been he's been excellent. And, um, actually, I thought that he was getting more out of Mane, actually, in terms of his relationship with him down the left than Robertson's been able to so far. I think Robertson's been been really good, actually. I've been impressed by some of his performances, but sometimes Moreno's directness can be pretty useful. So I, I wonder, um, uh, it was, it's an interesting decision for Klopp to make, really. I mean, obviously, Moreno is coming back from, a while off as well, so his positioning, if it needs to be on on point, I'd rather he have a few more weeks, perhaps, of getting back into the flow of things. But um guys, and coming to wrap things up, um, because I'm a bit conscious of time, but for score predictions, then I mean, uh, Kev, coming to you, what do you think? I mean, you finally ended that rotten run you had against us early in the season. Um, you're gonna do the double.
0: Ooh, ah, man, I really want to be like really confident and say it with my chest, but uh no, not so much. Um <laughs> the thing that I'm I'm actually worried about is uh oh, as much as Liverpool fans bemoan your defense, you've actually been very, very good at home this year. Um and so uh, a little a little wary of that um just because you tend to score a lot at home and not concede a lot at home, and that's a pretty good recipe for winning matches. Uh <sighs> I, I wanna say we'll win two one. I think one one is possible. I think uh, you know, this tends to be a pretty free flowing match and it still may be, but maybe the goals won't be there as they have in years past, uh for example with no Coutinho, which we mentioned earlier.
2: And
1: Ollie, how about you?
2: I think I think one one. Um I, 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 I know I normally fancy those against the big teams, but there's something about Spurs in terms of how well they defend and how deadly they can be on the attack that doesn't make me quite confident, especially with the fact that at home this season to big teams, we had the big win against Arsenal and we did well against City, but against Chelsea we sort of we were in a position to win and took our foot off the gas a little bit, ended up drawing. We weren't totally convinced against United. Um so I can sort of yeah, I think one one, because I don't think the Huddersfield performance, whilst it was an encouraging win, I wouldn't say it was sort of the comeback to form that maybe some have hyped up. Uh so I'll say a one-one to sort of leave the race for top four balanced
1: yeah, I'm going I'm going thriller again, so I, I I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say three two. An, an agonizing three two to Liverpool, like one that makes you really Ooh. just despise everything. Um but uh yeah
0: More goals it, in your prediction than me and always combined. Exactly.
1: I mean I I, I think there's gonna be goals and I I do think there's gonna be goals despite the quality of your your defence and um I I I just think I expect both managers to go for it really and um and, and gaps should appear despite players best Best attempts, um, or, you know, players usual attempts, uh, for, for some of our lot. But, um, guys, thanks so much for helping me preview the game. I mean, some great insights, usual, Kevin and, and Ollie. Thanks for all that on, on Liverpool. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting game this weekend. And, uh, to all those listening, thanks so much. We'll be back next week to cover the Southampton game. But, um, until then, make sure to check out things on AI Pro and, um, certainly subscribe as well. It's some, some great content there available for you guys. So, Thanks for listening and uh, we'll be back next week.
0: Sport Social Podcast Network